Want to get in touch with us? Text or call at 202-810-KISS. Remember to give us permission to play your message on the show. Eroticism is important. It influences and energizes our entire human experience. Eroticism isn't sex. It's sexuality transformed by our imaginations. We encourage lurid listeners to cultivate eroticism, play with it, smack it, and rub it down. We want you to enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. This show is for adults only and contains erotic stories that sometimes feature provocative characters and intense themes and situations spanning many, many, many literary genres, including action-adventure, science fiction, romance, horror, fantasy, and paranormal, and just flat-out sex slutty stuff. <laughs> Slutty's a genre? Awesome. It, I mean, if it isn't, it should be. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> Please, listen responsibly. Just be cool. You know what I mean? Be cool, honey bunny. Be cool. Hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. I am your host, Rose Carraway, and joining me in the studio, sassy as all get out, is Big Daddy Dave Carraway. Say hey, Big Daddy. Wow. Did a flyby. You buzzed the tower. I did. <laughs> do you feel like I'm Tom Cruise now? I do. Are you Wait. all soaking wet now? <laughs> I'm much bigger Tom Cruise. Wait. He's a tiny fella, I think. With crooked teeth. <laughs> so what's going on? We've got another post-Valentine's Day episode coming your way, you sexy beasts and beauties out there. Um, in the news our way, I am going to be hosting a live chat over on the Moan app. It's going to be all about cultivating eroticism. It's going to take place February 25th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going to be asking questions, those who are listening in. What is eroticism? Where do you find it? How do you connect to your sensual self? I'm going to be hosting this conversation with Mistress K of HeadstrongHotWife.com. She's worth a read. Go check her out. She's good people. I like her a whole lot, and I'm really honored to be getting to host my very first Monap chat with her. It's super exciting. She's pretty sassy, too. She is. Yeah. <laughs> She's a very primal woman, and, yeah. and I think we have a lot in common. I can't wait to get into it all with her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you, is, there, is this video, right? <laughs> no, no. No video. Yeah. No, it's all oral. It's all for your oral pleasure. Yes. A-U-R-A-L. Um, so, as I said, we are continuing on our Valentine Day vibes. Like, we want to keep it going. We want you guys to feel the love and sexy vibes throughout the year, not just on February 14th. Yeah, don't just wait for one day, y'all. Yeah. That seems like a really stingy way to do it. Keep it going. And to help us out celebrate sexuality and the love that we feel with one another, all the good feels that you have with your your significant other, is Dr. Marty Klein. Uh, he is the author of the book Sexual Intelligence, and it's all about what we want from sex and how to get it. Uh, yeah, I recommend that one. Um, we talked to him about communication. We heard during Cuck Week, communication, communication, communication. Well, Big Daddy and I were like, well, how do you do that? Uh, everybody's kind of got their way to do it, and it's hard. 
Uh, so we leaned on an expert to kind of help guide us and advise us on how to be good at it. Uh, and so I asked him the question, you know, how do we as the listeners, um, what's our job? You know, that's the other half of the conversation. You know, you're there talking, but then the other side is listening. So uh, here's what Dr. Marty Klein had to say about listening. What a wonderful question, Rose. And my answer is be curious. We don't talk enough about the role of curiosity in good relationships. Be curious. Rather than stealing yourself against, oh, gee, maybe this is going to hurt <laughs> to listen to my partner, instead of thinking maybe this is going to be boring, uh, instead of thinking, oh, I probably know half of this already anyway, be curious. Really? How so? Really? Uh, say more about that. Really? What do you mean? Really? Say that again another way. So there's plenty of ways to be more curious. Uh, I just want to support people in being more curious. There's more to learn about what this person is thinking and feeling. There's more behind what they're saying. Be, uh, be curious. And uh, the more curious you are and the more you portray your curiosity, the more you're going to learn from this other person about themselves. I'm going to go out of my way to find out more. I'm going to go out of my way to ask one more question. There's always one more question to ask. There's always one more question to ask, even if that one more question is, is there anything else you want to say about this? There's always one more question to ask. And I encourage people to ask that one more question. I don't think that I've ever heard a better answer than that, than to be curious. Mm -hmm. It's funny because what works for me is when I am asked questions. It's just hands down, it helps me think more broadly, uh, especially whenever I'm considering a sexual desire or or act that I, I maybe want to try. Like just recently we did wax play for the very first time. That was so fun. And you you asked a bunch of really good questions and, and I said, read this article and and you did eventually but you did read this article <laughs> and then there were more questions that arose and we we went and to the sex store and got some wax and it was so fun we're doing it again today for date day we did it for the first time we did it was on valentine's day that's right right yeah and now today's our date day so we get two date days in a week yeah, we do. Jealous much? <laughs> so it's fun. Um, but it, I felt weird, maybe a little silly. And I just, it was great. It was great to be able to say, hey, I want to try this. And then, you know, a couple questions. And then here's an article. And then a couple more questions. And then boom, you're ready. Like it works. It's so beautiful how that happens. Communication. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So anything you want to add to to the be curious part of what Dr. Klein said? I think said. that's pretty smart advice. Just be curious, right? Um, I don't have much more to add there. I, I think Marty said it and you said enough. So I'm just going to hold back and mm -hmm. ride the wave. You know, and I know for you, like it takes you a little bit, you know, like even a day sometimes or a couple days, you'll be processing, you know, maybe something and then you'll ask later. 
So um, that works too, you know? It, you don't have to have questions right away. You or know, if you so- have questions, you don't have to have answers. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I don't have answers half the time. I have to like <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's okay too. You know, we've kind of figured that part out about our dynamics. So that's been, been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I accept the fact that I don't know everything. <laughs> you and I both, man. <laughs> All right. So here we go. I think we're ready to drop our next sexy story. So this one's good. Yes. Uh, this one got us both. Right in the feels. Yeah. I think we both teared up on this one. Yeah. Um, you know, we you don't get a lot of stories in erotica that deal with cancer, um, but there are a few, and the really good ones, you know, they 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 speak to you on another level. Um, and this one today really did that for me in Big Daddy. This one is titled "Before and After," and it's written by Christine Lynn. Yeah, if this doesn't touch you, I don't know what's wrong with you. You should get that looked at. Oh, my God. (laughs) I traced my finger along the pink raised scar. It ran north and south across my chest, another smaller scar bisecting it where my nipples should be. The longitude and latitude of my diagnosis, treatment, and recent reconstruction made for a topographical map of the past two years, four surgeries, 18 cytotoxic visits. I was the sole navigator of this new landscape, though. Not even my husband had been granted access to the latest version of my body. I heard him in the bedroom, rooting around in his dresser drawer, as if the clothing had somehow shifted in the night. Every morning it was the same, despite the fact that not a pair of socks had been put away differently in more than two decades. I sighed, closed my eyes against the image. Beneath my fingers, the scar felt manageable, smaller than Dr. Klein had promised. I tried to imagine what it would look like through Richard's eyes, feel like beneath his calloused fingers. Richard, my grocery shopper when the smells of the produce aisle made me wretch, chauffeur to chemo appointments, the man who would leave bed half-naked in the middle of winter and fetch me a new bowl to vomit in when the first was full. My husband of 27 years. I'd spent longer with him than without him. By all accounts, he was the model partner, the support I needed, the man I loved. When I lost my hair in tufts, finally relenting control and taking a Bic razor to the remaining patches of thinning, dull blonde, he never shaved his head in solidarity, though— A subtle sign the support extended only so far. My hair loss also coincided with when he started kissing me on the cheek at night, much as he did his 83-year-old mother. His hands no longer sought my hips in the pale light of morning. His lips no longer grazed my bare shoulder before bed, hoping for more than either of us had the energy to commit to. He was supportive, chivalrous, diligent. But days became weeks. Weeks stretched into months, and months gave way to years. 
cancer and romance were mutually exclusive. To him, anyway. At month four, when my energy returned, but my hair had not, I pretended to be sick twice a week. I would lock myself in the guest bathroom, turn on the shower, strip out of my sweats and panties, and press my pelvis against the handheld shower nozzle. Two trembling fingers would glide along my clit, using the warm water as a lubricant, the metal head as a vibrator. I came alone, shuddering against the shower bench Richard had installed for his father's visits before he passed away. Hot, salty tears would stream down my cheeks, falling on the nightshirt I was too horrified to remove. One breast was gone by then, the other on borrowed time. But I didn't know that yet. Not that it would have mattered. Two minus one still equaled zero. He was in the closet now, selecting a button-down from one of three designs. His morning routine was a study in ritual. In less than three minutes, he would knock on the door and tell me he loved me, that he hoped I had a good day, that he would see me when he got home, in that order. Like the socks, not much had changed in over twenty years. I shook my head free of that thought, and the dozen others like it. I'd never asked Richard to join me in the shower, and he'd never tried. A faux pas two years in the making, a misunderstanding of need that plagued me even now. I cupped my new breasts, let my thumbs slide down the dimpled skin. I squeezed the altered, added flesh, surprised at how different they felt. The only truth to them were the hashtag of lines on my skin, marking the change below. I bounced them, keeping them cradled in my palms. They felt more firm, less real. But of course, they were not real. They were a construct designed to make me feel more like the woman I was before. The same bisecting scar that slashed my chest divided my life into two equal parts, before the diagnosis and after. Before, whole, unscathed, healthy. After, scarred, monstrous, malignant. I knew it was coming, but still, the knock surprised me. I looked up at the door, expectant. Love you, hon. Have a good day, and I'll see you when I get home. Clockwork. A marriage of pattern, molded and designed. Surely, I'd helped create the tessellated day-to-day life, but I couldn't recall how or why I'd let it become so stagnated. Maybe it was just easier this way. The door shut silently behind him, only the soft thud of the furnace changing the pressure in the room, letting me know he'd gone. I released both breasts simultaneously, surprised at the uniformity of them. Before, that word again. My right breast had hung heavier than the left, a parting gift from my daughter, who could only breathe out of one nostril when she breastfed, and therefore only successfully fed from the right. After, there wasn't any give to either side just stretched skin over muscle. Then, now, full, new, uniform globes, vastly unlike their original counterparts. The loss of connection with my daughter when the old ones were surreptitiously carved from my body ached like a phantom limb. Only memory, scar tissue, and dead nerves remained. But they looked good, so at least there was that. 
I could wear the silver top Richard bought me to celebrate our silver anniversary. I could fill my old bras. I could fondle my chest as I played with my clit, even if I could only elicit pleasure from one of those gestures. The sensation in my breasts had vanished, along with the fatty tissue, with the extrication of my cancer-ridden nipples. Still, in those lonely, water-soaked moments of ecstasy, I'd longed to be able to cup my own bosom, pinch my nipples between my thumb and finger, feel the sting of pleasure that erupted when the flesh protruded from between my fingers. No, that was a lie. That particular iteration of my desire was my backup plan, my second string. I wanted Richard. I ached for his hands, once the workhorses of his career as a plumber, to grab me by my hips, to turn me around and rub his erection against my backside before slipping inside me. I wanted those rough fingers to stroke my new breasts. My pussy throbbed with need. My skin burned in each place I imagined my husband's skin tracing mine. More ghost pains of a time before. My breath suspended in my chest, the whir of the furnace like a jet engine in the silence. If I was desperate enough to satisfy myself, imagination, my only link to my other half, what was I willing to do about it? I had little to lose. He'd never leave. He'd shown me that much. So if I asked him to touch me, to see me for who I'd become, to make love to that new person, and he said no, well, then the decision lay in my hands for how to proceed. But if I did nothing, then I was a willing participant in the decay of our union, longing for touches, caresses, kisses I hadn't asked for would just be cruel to both of us. Okay, then. It was settled. I'd attempt to seduce my husband that night before I lost my nerve. As if on cue, my teeth chattered and my hands shook. I was nervous, yes, and who wouldn't be? But the risk was worth the potential reward. Before, I may not have had the courage. I even lacked it after. But now... Now I knew what I needed to do, and so I set to work on a foolproof plan to get my husband to sleep with me. That evening, donning the silver V-neck top and my tight black jeans from before, I put the finishing touches on the room before closing the bedroom door and walking downstairs. Candles and music to keep the phantoms at bay. My hair was still short, cropped to right below my chin, and ramrod straight since it had grown back in. I styled it for the first time in months, adding body and curl to the bob that highlighted my jawline. Quite literally, the only benefit to the cancer was the loss of the extra thirty or so pounds I'd carried before. I felt the loss as I sauntered downstairs, not nearly as uncomfortable in the jeans as I thought I'd be. If anything, they were a little loose around the waist. I couldn't suppress the smile that crept up my lips when I heard the garage door open. I had just shy of four minutes for Richard to gather his books. He ran his own plumbing business now, no longer did the work himself and made his way inside, where he'd shed his shoes and jacket in the mudroom off the garage.
I shook my head, ran my hands through the tight curls, loosening them. My breasts barely moved, despite an ample portion of them peeking out of the push-up bra I'd purchased that afternoon. I counted down his entrance in my head, clamping my teeth to prevent them from chattering again. Absently, I ran my hand over my chest, which, under the two thick layers of fabric, felt normal, pleasant even. I repeated the mantra I'd established on my shopping trip earlier that day. You have nothing to worry about. Richard loves you. You're beautiful. That last part tripped me up each time I whispered it in the vacuum of my car, thought it as I fingered a silky bra and panties set in a store populated with twenty-somethings and perky, untouched breasts. Was I? Even if I believed it, would he? Too late now. The door to the mudroom opened, its ever-present squeak, the clock by which I governed my afternoons. Before the creak, I was runner, artist, woman who worked in oils. After, I was wife, chef, cancer survivor. Not tonight. Tonight, I would be Mary, wanton mistress. I'd never played this role, not before, not after. I wondered if I'd recall the lines I needed to say when they mattered most, if he'd slip a reminder under his breath to help if I stumbled. I shuffled my feet that ached in the wedges I found lonely and unused in the back of my closet. I was desperate for a stance that didn't come off as too needy, too uncomfortable. I entertained the idea of grabbing a dish from the sink, washing it so my hands had something to do other than tremble. But Mary, the wanton mistress, didn't wash dishes. Not in this dress, anyway. One moment, I was alone with my racing thoughts, my heart pounding so loudly I was afraid he'd hear it in his short walk from the mudroom to the kitchen. And then he was there, standing in front of me with a look of confusion etched on his soft features. The move to the front office had eliminated his work on new construction— the lifting of heavy equipment, the manual labor of the trades. It was easier on his body, yes, but the trade-off came in the loosening of his jowls, his midsection. Not that I minded. I saw the man I married underneath all those years, injuries, pounds. Mary, he said. The way his voice lifted at the end, my name became a question. It was as if he doubted the authenticity of the woman his gaze took in, from the styled hair to the painted face to the wrapped package below the neck. I only nodded, afraid my own voice and its ability to convey anything other than abject terror. I wanted this, wanted him, too much to mess it up now. He set his leather satchel down beside the dining table and took a hesitant step toward me. My pulse sped up. I was too old for this. I was going to have a heart attack, and I'd arrive at the hospital looking like I was trying to nab a man twenty years my junior. If the heart attack didn't kill me, the mortification surely would. You, uh, wow. He raked his hands through his hair. The years had been kind to him in that regard. Aside from some distinguished gray patches, he had the same head of hair as the day I'd met him. You look incredible. A tentative smile pulled at the corners of my lips. Thank you.
There, I'd said something and survived. I could do this. His face reddened and his brows pulled together as if a problem had just occurred to him and he needed to solve it immediately. What's wrong? It's just, I, um, well, did I forget our anniversary or something? The nerves rattling around in my chest took flight up my throat, where my feeble tongue was powerless to stop them. They burst through my mouth in a fit of laughter that echoed off the tile surfaces in the sterile kitchen. After I'd calmed down and Richard's face had gone from concern back to confusion, I smiled. I felt better now, knowing he was as unsure of how to do this as I was. No, sweetheart, you didn't. I just thought it was time. The creases on his forehead deepened. The corners of his mouth worried between his teeth. Time? For what? For us, I told him, moving away from the safety of the breakfast bar that held me upright and closing the distance between us. It was that moment... That one honest moment where I knew what I wanted and the knowledge dawned on him that I wish I would have captured on camera, the way the color drained from his forehead and pooled in his cheeks, how his lips parted and his smile revealed the small gap between his front teeth, how his hands uncrossed from his chest and hung at his sides, palms open and facing me. Oh, he said, chuckling. Well, okay then. When neither of us moved, and the sound of our synchronized breathing filled the room with a pregnant pause, he chuckled again. How do we do this? Should I take you to dinner first? He asked. Another laugh bubbled up from my chest, each one lightening the weight I'd been carrying in my heart for months, years. Afterwards, I won't complain about a decent meal, but I'm a sure thing, Rich. No need to impress me with seafood. It was his turn to laugh at my reference to our first date three decades ago, and airy a sound as I'd ever heard him make. Who needed music and candlelight with a laugh like that? No ghosts of our pasts would dare come near us tonight. I was sure of it now. And that was the last thing I could recall with vivid clarity. His hands clasped my waist and pulled me tight against him. When his lips touched mine, my mind went blank. I parted my lips to let his tongue, gentle and tentative, seek out mine. When our tongues touched, any hesitation on Richard's part vanished. He became a beacon of need, thrusting his tongue deeper inside my mouth, his lips widening to cover mine his hands rough but strong, fisted in my hair. My own softer hands pulled the button down tucked in his pants, sliding up his exposed flesh when the fabric finally gave way. He groaned against my mouth, a feral sound that soaked my panties. In response, I ground my hips against the stiffness pressing against his jeans. Just the thought of my husband's hard cock, another gift from his youth that had never waned, took whatever moisture lined my panties and doubled it. He pulled his head back just enough to take my bottom lip between his teeth. His groan became a growl, and in the infinitesimal space between us, I could see the need, the ache, the desire I'd amassed reflected in his eyes.' 
His hands moved south along the nape of my neck, across the expanse of my shoulders, down my waist until they reached my hips. All the while, his mouth peppered mine with kisses that were nothing like the chaste pecks that had punctuate our nights until now. When his hands tightened around my waist, lifted me up and into his arms, only a whisper of surprise escaped my parted lips. Take me to the bedroom, I commanded as he carried me out of the kitchen. He nodded, a smile curling only the left corner of his mouth, adding to the mischief that danced in his eyes. Gazing up at him, feeling weightless in his arms, suddenly I was neither the woman before or after the diagnosis. I was Mary, the young woman who met Richard at a college hockey game. I cheered loudly for the other team the whole second half, despite wearing a sweater for their rivals, my and Richard's alma mater. Later that night, the same look of desire and playful abandon in his eyes, he'd approached me and asked why I'd done that. Because it didn't seem fair that no one was cheering for them, I'd replied, as serious as cancer. Even the losers need some love every now and then. Just two months later, he'd proposed. In the dim light of morning, after celebrating our engagement by making love into the night, he'd kissed my neck and whispered that he knew in that moment, at the game, that he'd marry me, that he'd love me forever. In his own way, he had. He kissed my neck again, now, setting me down upon the bed as gently as he would a newborn child. He slid my wedges from my feet, placing them beside the bed like little soldiers guarding our tryst, then undid the button on my jeans, carefully removing them. His breath hitched in his chest when his gaze settled on the lace panties I wore. We were halfway there, and neither of us seemed inclined to stop now. I lifted my arms in the air, an invitation if he dared accept it. This was the moment of truth, when he would lay eyes on my new body, my new breasts. New did not equal flawless, though, and so when my hands shook above my head, I wasn't at all surprised. I was petrified, but turned on at the same time. A flood of emotions coursed through my veins. He knelt in front of me, nestled between my legs. His cheeks were flushed, and when he licked his lips, my pulse raced. He wanted me, too. That had to count for something. When his hands slid up my sides, pulling the shiny silver cloth over my head, he breathed in deep, his chest filling the space between us. He moved slowly, intentionally, methodically, so very Richard. As the top lifted over my head, he dipped his lips to my chest, decorated in the same delicate fabric that covered my soaking pussy. He trembled, kept his distance for a moment. I'm not fragile, Richard, I said, cupping my breasts over the lace. He groaned, put his hands over mine, and squeezed. I know you're not. Hell, you're the strongest woman I know. Fuck, Mary, I just wish I'd have seen that sooner. I've been so afraid the past two years. I never stopped to consider that you might be okay, that we might be okay. His voice trembled with those last few words. It's just, 
he started, running his hands through his hair. It's just every surprise we've had in the past few years hasn't been a good one. The lump, the scans, the blood tests. Shit, even the first reconstruction almost didn't take. I just don't want to rush this surprise, since it's the best damn one I've ever had. I didn't think you'd ever want me again after I pulled away. You have to know it's just because I was scared I was going to lose you. It won't happen again, Mary. I promise. My heart swelled at the sentiment, and my breasts, what was left of them, felt heavy with desire. It was so new a sensation, so different than the past, it caught me off guard. Shh, I told him. I want you. I want you to make love to me like you used to. That was all the permission he seemed to need. He lifted my ass, and like he really was the man I'd met eons ago, tore my panties off in one deft movement. I squealed with delight. This, this is what I needed. When his lips grazed my skin, trailed below the border of the lace into scarred territory, my heart threatened to stop altogether. Richard pulled the straps down, trapping my arms, but freeing my breasts. They didn't move, and neither did Richard. He smiled. They're different. I'm different. You're beautiful. They're amazing. His mouth closed over where my nipples should be, and my thoughts fogged, evaporated. He sucked my newness into him, running his tongue along the scars as his other hand cupped my second breast. I purred. It was exactly like I'd imagined. Richard pushed me against the mattress, his eyes glittering in the candlelight. His head ducked between my thighs, pressing my knees to get closer to my sex, which throbbed with need. Yes, I wanted to cry. Please, I wanted to beg. When his tongue ran along my slit, then dove inside my folds, thrusting and fucking my dampness, I almost came. But I couldn't. Not yet. I also wanted to relish this moment, savor the feel of my husband's lips as he sucked on my clit, took me into his mouth at the same time he slid a finger inside me. I gasped. He pushed another finger inside, pulled at my sex, while he licked me from ass to cesarean scar. Good God! Had it ever been this good? Surely not, or we never would have left the bedroom. My hands fisted in his hair, pulled his face closer to my body. I wanted to devour him, have him eat me from the inside out. When I could feel the crest of an orgasm building, worried that I might pass out from the sheer thrill of it, I pushed his head up. He let me guide his head to my stomach, which he peppered with kisses, his tongue blazing a path up to my crisscrossed chest. He sucked and nibbled at the bottom of my right breast as if he wanted to give me a hickey, and I laughed. He growled again, this time with lust and mischief, throwing his head back in a howl. Who was this man? 
He was different, too, though I didn't mind this change as much as I did my own. His fingers still fucked me, but he slowed his pace, gliding them in and out of my swollen center with expert ease. It didn't hurt that I was wet enough to fill a swimming pool with my desire. He performed the same move on my left breast with his tongue, and I giggled. When his fingers slid out of my pussy, I immediately felt the loss. The ache returned, this time worse now that my body knew what it had been missing. Fuck me, Richard, I whispered. He nodded against my chest, his fingers tracing the scars lovingly. Yes, ma'am, he said, his breath hot on my skin. Keeping one hand on my chest, he used the other to shimmy out of his jeans, unbutton his shirt, and shrug out of it. His smile was fuckable, as was the erection that was now freed and right where I wanted it. I sat up, cupped his ass in my hands, and pulled his cock to my mouth before he could protest. I ran my tongue along his crown, tasted the saltiness of the day, and pre-cum on his tip. If I could only feast on this flesh, this flavor for the rest of my days, it would be enough. His growl became a throaty groan as his hands wrapped around me, his arms resting on my shoulders. My mouth closed over him, taking his girth as far back in my mouth as my throat would allow. I sucked and teased the tip with my tongue, only briefly allowing my teeth to gently nip at him. My lips went taut as I rode his cock. He rocked his hips, forcing himself beyond what I thought I could take. I loosened my throat, took more of him in. God, he felt good, his hands in my hair, his hardness fucking my face, his ass in my hands. He shuddered in my grasp, the only warning before he released a short burst of cum, hot and creamy in my mouth. Swallowing, I licked him clean, swirling my tongue along his length before laying back against the bed and looking up at him. A thin sheen of his cum glistened on my lips, and I left it there, a treat for later. I'd never liked giving Richard head before, but now I felt the power of the control I had over him course through me, heady and all-consuming. I slid a finger inside my pussy, then put it to my tongue, tasting what Richard just had. We didn't taste that different, both salty, briny, like we were made of the sea. Richard just stood there, watching my every move. I squeezed my breasts, as I had that morning, the thick flesh spilling from between my fingers. Fuck, Mary. Yes, please, I said, smiling. Richard met my smile, and I was pleased to see that what we'd just done hadn't hampered his erection. He settled on top of me, placed his tip at the entrance to my pulsing sex. His eyes asked an unspoken question, wondered whether, after all this time, he was welcome there. I nodded my consent, anticipation at having my husband inside me after so long, causing my skin to erupt with goose pimples. Yes, he was welcome, missed, loved. 
With permission granted, Richard thrust his shaft inside me, filling every molecule of space I offered. He rolled in and out, his hips grazing mine, his stomach rubbing against my concave abdomen. Every time he rocked, he went deeper, further inside, until I wondered what other secret compartments I had to give him access to. I'm close, he whispered, his lips brushing my earlobe, tickling it. Come, baby, I want you to come inside me. Twice more, he thrust, harder each time, before his arms went rigid, his ass clenched in my hands. His breathing came in short bursts, and beads of sweat framed his brow. My own release built, and as his shaft pumped once more, I rode the wave of my own orgasm, feeling it wash over me, making me as new as the breasts that rose and fell with my ragged breaths. He collapsed next to me, turning me on my side so that his cock stayed buried inside me while I faced him. That was fucking incredible, he said. It was. That, of course, was a gross understatement. My world had shifted when he'd kissed my breasts, had gone completely off its axis when I came at the same time as Richard. It was no longer a dichotomous world, before and after, as two separate entities, two separate parts of my existence. As Richard kissed my forehead, his hand tracing circles on my chest, down my arms, I fused those worlds, rejoicing as I became Mary, simply Mary once again. you guys we hope you enjoyed today's story that was before and after written by christine lynn you can follow them on twitter at christine l author if you aren't following us on twitter already please do so right now at the kmq so you don't miss out on any of our audiobook giveaways If you want more sexy stories and would like to support the show, please go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Remember to leave us a review so that more lured listeners just like you can find us. Audio production by Big Daddy Dave Caraway. 
The KMQ would like to thank these wonderful musical artists. Fledslet, Kai Engel, Alasian Bailey, and the KMQ introduction music by Vivich. The Kiss Me Quick's Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 7. Stupid fish, you are entitled to your sexual self. I'm so glad I'm entitled because my (laughs) sexual self is a freak. Oh, my God.